0: Welcome back to episode 13 of the Charged Up Show. In this episode, we talked to Garrett McFadden. He was drafted in the OHL in April 2013 as a defenseman for the Guelph Storm, which was arguably the best years team in OHL history. During that season, Garrett was recognized with the Storm's Humanitarian of the Year award, which he would earn three times with the teams for his movement called the McFadden Movement 27. The McFadden Movement is a nonprofit organization that strives to change, help, and develop mental health among athletes. Garrett is currently playing for Acadia University where he hopes to finish his education and shoot for pro. Garrett has accomplished so much more that we'll leave for the rest of the podcast. Hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Garrett McFadden. And first of all, we all want to congratulate you on the past success of the MM27 tournament online, raising two thousand seventy-eight dollars. I have written down exactly. Um, What was it like taking that tournament online?
2: Uh, It was different for sure. I mean, for me, um, not not like a huge Xbox or video games guy. So uh, I think the last NHL I bought was like maybe seventeen or (laughs) sixteen. So um, bit of an adjustment but my younger brother plays a lot so he uh, he helped out a bit with kind of trying to figure out how exactly to run the thing and um, but it was good I guess I mean for me it's it's a cool way to you know raise money and bring a lot of people together and um, I guess you know he kind of talked to a few people uh, throughout the day and catch up with some old buddies and whole teammates and stuff like that so it was pretty cool and I think uh I think it all went pretty smoothly and and we we're pretty happy with with the way it went and then for it to raise two grand too was uh was obviously the cherry on top
3: for sure yeah I, I just kind of want to congratulate you and I'll, I'll we'll put the the link in the description obviously at mcfadensmovement.com but I'm just reading here you, you raised forty forty seven thousand dollars to mental health res- resources in the last three years so that's that's a big number. that's like yeah crazy we'll, we'll definitely get in. into
0: some of that after because that's a huge huge conversation to have but yeah just back on that too that's huge congratulations <laughs> for there
3: yeah, that's awesome to hear and that's great what you're doing for the community and love it
2: yeah i appreciate it. it's been uh it's been a cool ride i think uh, uh you know from when we started i guess like four years ago now um you know and just have around 50 grand is, is awesome and um you know we want to keep obviously growing things and, and raising more and more money I think you know as I would even say since four years ago you know there's even more more uh foundations and stuff like that geared towards raising money for mental health so yeah um, to see that is cool too obviously to do it uh, within your own foundation is is nice but um, just to see sort of a lot more people and a lot more involvement um, and stuff like that going towards mental health is, is really cool too.
1: So typically we work in a way where we ask people to tell their careers and go in order. But for you, I think it's uh it might be beneficial for all the listeners to kind of go in reverse and talk about the current. And I be, I could I could be wrong because it's a bit confusing looking at youth sports online. It's not really easy. Yeah. But um, you guys were supposed to host the championship, right? So what was it like dealing with that, with the cancellation? Obviously, that must have been pretty heartbreaking. And uh, What happened there and how did you guys deal with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, for for us, um, you know, it's, to be honest, it's, it started like two years ago because they, they tell you, like the bid for nationals starts two years prior to the, when you host. So when I got recruited to Acadia, you know, part of a big reason why I came to the school was because, you know, he had one year to settle in and then the next year we were hosting nationals. So it was a, uh, it was a big reason why I chose uh, to come to Wolfville and go to Acadia and play there. Um, so I guess having that in the back of my mind for like the last two years, and then you kind of get to the event and you're gearing up for it all year. And, um, you know, we had a really good year and, and a bit of a letdown, I guess, not <clears throat> winning uh, AUS championships, but um, you know, sort of another chance to do something special at Nationals. And then, you know, you're, you're practicing and I think the word is sort of spreading about about coronavirus and, um, you know, we're kind of taking, I guess, some precautions. But it didn't, didn't really seem, um, you know, like anything was going to happen. I think at that point there was still no confirmed cases in Nova Scotia. So, um, you know, and, and then we we're, were at the rink watching the, the two games before on um, Thursday night and they they happened and I think everyone was pretty excited and kind of got back to the hotel it was like ten thirty at night and they decided to cancel everything so um it was, it was pretty I guess I don't know hard news for us for sure and um I think at that point there's obviously a lot of questions that you know you're looking for answers and um nobody can can really explain um you know how fast everything shut down and um Sort of the way they went about it so quick, and um, you know, it obviously disrupted more than just us, but you know, the major junior seasons and minor hockey and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it was honestly, it's weird. It's it's nothing like anything I've really experienced, and hopefully, never really have to experience it again. But um, it's uh, it's been it's been it's been yeah, it's been weird weird to. It still feels like we should be playing out the season
3: for sure yeah it almost feels like fake you almost don't want to believe it but like it's it's happening everywhere and i mean i look at the stats pretty much every day i don't want to get consumed on all the stats right because that's that's bad to do as well but starting to clear things up a little bit in locally here but how's things over there in nova scotia do you find a things are opening up a little more is there still lots of cases there or is it cleared up
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it's not too bad here. Um, things are, are still pretty slow, but starting to kind of get into that phase one. Yeah. Um, sort of along the lines with, with what they're doing in Ontario. So, um, there's obviously a lot less cases, um, here. I think there's only like just over a thousand confirmed, uh, during the whole pandemic. And then I don't know what, what Ontario would have, but a lot more for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty much, Pretty much sounds the same in terms of, I guess, what I've experienced and what I've heard from buddies back home and, and stuff like that. So um, just kind of slowly, I don't know, try to get things back to normal and hope that, that something, you know, kind of changes where where we can start to live a, a normal life again.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So uh, staying on the merit, like you're out in Nova Scotia, obviously, can you, can you talk about to our viewers who aren't really that, a lot of them aren't familiar with it, the difference in U sport culture here out in the Maritimes like UNB and obviously Acadia and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, I think um just in terms of like our conference overall, um I guess like being an overager and and when I when I was in Guelph and when I kinda started thinking, I guess, about um, you know, where I wanted to go if it wasn't if it wasn't an immediate an immediate jump to pro and if I had to go to school, sort of what conference would I want to go play and in, and one that you stay competitive. And I think, um, you know, if you take, I'd say, the percentage of, of guys that are in our league, we have seven teams, and um, you take the amount of, of guys that have played major junior, um, you know, either four or five years, um, it's a lot higher than, say, the OUA. Um, so I think that offers a pretty competitive um, aspect. And then along with that, there's, you know, a lot of times guys – if they go and play pro for a year and decide to come back to school, oftentimes they'll end up in the AUS somewhere, whether it's UMB or SMU or um, Acadia and, and whatnot. So um, I'd say just—I mean, it's a, it's still—I would say across youth sports, um, the hockey's still uh, competitive and serious. But um, you know, of the of the three conferences, I would say, you know, in my opinion, um, the AUS is is probably the most competitive and, and the strongest. Strongest division in new sports uh, every year.
1: Yeah, so we got we got the lowdown. I think now it, it's important to go back to the beginning. And um, uh, you grew up in Concordia, if we're correct. And what was it like? Uh, that's not necessarily a hockey hotbed or anything. And how was it like getting noticed from there? And uh, a lot of people think you need to play in um, Toronto and you need to play in the GTHL to get noticed. But uh, I believe you are playing for Grey Bruce and you still end up going to Guelph and... What do you have to say about that? And what was it like growing up in King Carden?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, unique for sure. I mean, um, you know, I think I got my first taste of sort of triple A when I was in Pew, you know, just playing in spring tournaments. But, um, I never, I never played triple A, uh, full time until I was in Bantam. Um, so I guess, I don't know, for most people now, I guess that's really late. So, um, but uh, you know, I had a lot of good buddies, and we always had a good team in Carden, and um, I think we just liked like being there. And, and you know, I have two uh, two other siblings, so my parents were busy enough that uh, you know, a couple practices a week uh, in Carden were you know about all they could handle, sort of. And um, I think obviously, when it when it came time that um, you know, junior hockey was something that I wanted to pursue, and hockey was something I you know. I wanted to kind of take the next step in, then AAA seemed right. But, um, you know, for us, it was like an hour to practices. And, you know, we by the time I was in minor major, we were, you know, getting home from school, having a bite to eat, doing some homework, and then getting getting in the car and not getting home till midnight. So, you um, know, it was a lot, not only, I guess, just for me as a player, but for my parents to kind of do that too. So, um, I don't know, I think the three years that I played with Triple-A were, I guess, the the right amount. And um, obviously, I was lucky enough to, you know, get drafted to Guelph and and go and play there and kind of, uh, you know, have enough exposure, I guess, and where you're playing against uh, against other teams. And then, you know, still going to Toronto for tournaments and stuff like that, it puts a bit more pressure to perform when you sort of know scouts or, Only at your games when you're in the city, they're not coming to Chelsea, Ontario and watching you play. So, um, you know, that that made things a little bit more of a challenge. But like I said, I was uh, lucky enough to get noticed and and go early enough and and to Guelph, which, uh, you know, was was pretty awesome. For sure,
1: yeah. And uh, what was it like cracking that roster? Well, Going RFC, you talked about jumping Guelph. That was an amazing team. What was it like? Making that team as a 16 year
2: old. Yeah, Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, (laughs) it was, uh, it was pretty wild year, I guess, for me, like um, coming in uh, as a first round pick. So you're sort of, I don't know, expected to make the team and and sort of be a contributor right away. And, um, you know, my adjustment wasn't uh, amazing. And I think I struggled a little bit just. With getting up to speed of the game, and, and obviously you're, you know, sort of the first time in my life I was playing with guys who were 20 years old and, and, you know, knew what the league was all about. And it took me maybe a little bit longer to realize that. And then um, we obviously had a really good team. So you sort of fall uh, fall back on, on the depth and you're playing less and less every night. And then, um, you know, a couple of trades at the deadline sort of put me on the outskirts of the lineup. And I was only getting in, you know, once every two or three games uh, down the stretch. And then uh, you know, kind of going through playoffs, uh, you know, we, we were rolling and we didn't have too many injuries. So I I was in the stands, uh, you know, all playoffs and <laughs> watched every game from there as a 16 year old. So it was uh, it was obviously a cool accomplishment. And like I love being in the OHL, and I thought it was really cool. And it was uh, you know, it was obviously a dream of mine. And, and you kind of at that age, you're looking across the league and. Um, you're, you're the youngest player on any roster and there's only, you know, a few 16 year olds on each team. So you're, you feel pretty good about that. But then obviously um, it's hard coming from, you know, a minor midget team that you played all the time and you're relied on to, you know, kind of being an irrelevant factor of the game and, you know, playing only a few shifts and, uh, you know, trying to kind of make sense of that and, and enjoy it at the same time uh, was, was definitely an adjustment, but, um, you know, I think every 16-year-old kid sort of deals with that at some point in their first year, whether it's you know for the first 10 games or the first five games for the lucky guys, and and you know for some it's 40 games or it's a, a whole season. But um, you know, it was uh, it was you know definitely something you know I, I think about all the time, and and uh, I had a lot of fun being a 16-year-old in the OHL.
3: Yeah, that's that's always something I'm I'm interested in talking to, like from even from the past podcast we had OHL players on and how was like the transition or fit like was there any experiences or people that um kind of um helped you in a way to kind of like be at home in Guelph like okay this is where I'm at or was there any experiences to to kind of loosen up um loosen up yourself to to see like I'm in the right spot or
2: yeah I mean like there's so many different adjustments for me it's you know moving moving into a home of billets and new high school and, and uh, all the, all that, you know, all the stuff outside of the rink that you're sort of dealing with. Um, in terms of, like, at the rink is just the game was so much faster and uh, you had to make decisions so much, so much faster. And I think, you know, I, when I was a minor midget, I'd carry the puck up the ice and you know, skate around and kind of do what I wanted. And as soon as I got to the OHL, that just didn't happen anymore. And um, so it's sort of, I don't know, it it was different for me because I like to rush the puck and I was sort of an offensive defenseman. And um, a lot of times when I was younger, it wasn't such a risky play to, to, you know, do a little bit too much. But when you start playing against better players and you can't get away with making mistakes, usually it ends up in the back of your net. So I think just getting used to that and, and getting used to doing it every night, because um, you know, you go from playing a couple games on the weekend to you know, you're on a Tuesday night in, in Kitchener after you've been at school all day, and uh, you know, you're thinking about school the next day or homework or assignments or all this stuff. There's so many like little distractions that you sort of have to deal with, and yeah, uh, you know, it's one of those things where there's tons of tons of help and and you know, the coaches are there, the older guys are there for you, and they're helping you, you know, adjust to things. And obviously, like, your billets, usually, you know, nine times out of ten are, are huge in, in your adjustment to moving into the OHL and into a new city and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, kind of what you do as a player. Uh, people can only kind of give you so much until you, you know, you adjust to things yourself. And there's some things that you kind of have to go through yourself and, and each guy goes through. But... Um, like I said, some guys, you know, they get by a little bit, a little bit faster than others, and others, there's more of, uh, more of that adjustment period. For sure, yeah.
1: Uh, what, yeah. What Nate talked about is we had a uh, Guelph Storm guys too. We've had uh, McFarland on so far and Cooper Walker both from the Storm, and they uh, both played Junior B as 16 year olds and hopped into Guelph at 17, and they they talked about just getting used to the daily life of waking up, going to school, going right to the rink, working out, and uh how, how hard it can be, especially like especially when they're young and they're not getting played crazy amount of time. Sometimes they're in the stands and how tough that can be. But uh you obviously pushed through it and we'll slowly get into that later in your career and uh became success. But uh even being in the stands, did you still find how that you still gained a lot of experience and that really helped you in the future?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean for me, like um I guess it like I sat out so many times that you kind of start to look for things that you can do, I guess, while you're not playing. And um, I used to go watch the games with Chris Heidi, he who's our assistant general manager, um, my first year, and then moved on to uh, Manchester assistant coach in the AHL, and then a couple years ago uh, was an assistant coach for the Sabers. So um, you know, I'd go watch the game with him and sort of try and pick his mind and just have conversations about. know what he saw out there and what you know what guys on on our team you know he liked the certain things that they did and and you know to try and work on them in practice or you know when I would get to play and stuff like that so I think just uh you know little things like that um I try to like you know work with our sports site guys and and there's a (laughs) it's you know you you kind of you're at the at the low point of your career and you're Like, oh, yeah, I need a sports psych guy. And obviously, um, you know, it kind of goes like that for a lot of guys where, you know, all of a sudden they're in a slump and it's like, oh, I need to talk to someone, I need someone. But I think that then taught me, you know, even when I'm feeling good and playing good, that still, you know, kind of working with the sports psych docs or, um, you know, having conversations with coaching staff or whatever, just about improving little things in your game are, are never a bad thing. And even, you know, if you have all the confidence in the world, there's still things that you can work on and, and stuff to get to the next level because you're only an, only a junior and you kind of, you know, you're pushing to make it to pro. So um, I guess just kind of keeping that in mind and, and kind of using little things like that, whether it's advice from coaches or anything or, or teammates and stuff. So try to do that as much as I could. And, you know, maybe at, at 16 I felt like I did it a lot. Maybe I could have done a bit more for sure. I'm sure every guy that goes through it would say that too, but, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things. You're, you're just a young, naive kid. You're learning, uh, something new every day. So it's, it's, you know, some days it's harder, some days it's easier. So you kind of, you deal with that on a day-to-day basis, I guess.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you, you grow up as a person, just, just being with the team and stuff like that's probably a main type of thing. And I don't want to jump too, too far onto this, but, um, it says like you're, you're named captain for two years. Um, how was that feeling from, so, you know, starting from the bottom and working your way up? Like how, how did you find um, like your worth e- ethic was different and like, what did you put into it to, to become that? Was there any stories with that or?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think just f- uh, for me, I don't know. I just, I, I tried to work as hard as I could every day. And um, you know, I, when things were tough, I just try to stay positive as I could. And um, I kind of took that with me, I guess for my whole career and, um I'd been through a lot with you know not playing as a 16 year old and then now 17 I broke my jaw and missed 10 games and that was sort of my draft year and and whatever and you know I dealt with all of that I guess in 2 years and and then um you know my third year we were just we were terrible and and you know so I guess just uh you know I'd sort of experienced a lot in 3 years and you know I felt like uh I felt like I had a lot to give back to sort of the younger guys and, and instead of, you know, waiting for them to come ask me stuff, trying to kind of provoke conversations to have with those guys that, you know, I remember as a 16 year old having, um, and like feeling good after, like feeling like it was, it was good advice. So, um, I don't know. I I guess it was just a gradual thing. Like you get comfortable within the organization and, and for me, um, you know, I just, I was there for a long time. Like I was there for five years. So, uh, you know, I, I felt like I had a personal relationship with everyone uh, within the organization and, and obviously with all my teammates too. So I think that made uh, the transition, I guess, to becoming captain and, and sort of taking on that responsibility a lot easier just because, um, you know, I felt comfortable in that in that position. And I also felt like, um, you know, I knew where to lead guys and, and who to talk to, you know, when certain stuff needed to get done. And um, I'd also, you know, learn from from some great guys who came before me. Like Matt Finn was our captain in my in my 16 year old year, like second rounder to, to Toronto, and he was unbelievable. You know, probably one of the, the best guys in hockey. Just, um, you know, nice nice guy to be around. And then, um, you know, the, the my second year was Jason Dickinson. So like first round pick to Dallas. Like the guy is unbelievable and just the you know <laughs> one of the best people I've ever met. Um, in hockey will just do anything for you. So I guess, you know, learning from those two guys as a young kid and sort of looking up to them um, and sort of, you know, I guess thinking a little bit to the to the future and sort of, you know, if I was the captain of this team, how would I want to be and what, what things do they do right that I would, you know, want to want to try and do my best to do too. So, you know, those two guys were, were definitely uh, big pillars and I guess the way I... I sort of saw myself as a captain.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good story. Thanks for sharing that. And I just wanna—you mentioned when you were seventeen, I believe you said you broke your jaw. Uh, or uh, yeah, from what I read as well, the puck hit you in the face, and you had to get your your mouth wired shut for. I think it was six weeks, I believe I read. That's a that's a huge. Injury? Would you be able to talk a little bit about your experience with that?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I want to say, yeah, it was a. Uh, was a Sunday afternoon game in Saginaw, so we were down there. Um, I think there was a there was a fight just before Phil Baltusberg. I forget who he fought. So, anyways, he he got beat up and uh, broke his nose. So our trainer was off with him uh, in the back in the locker room. Uh, trying to fix his broken nose and then I think it was probably two shifts later uh, Nick Moutry just cut across the blue line just uh, took a shot and deflected up off my stick and then just hit me uh, hit me just under underneath my my jaw there Um, and I don't know never really thought anything too much of it like I was bleeding I kind of went down and and off the ice and I got into the locker room like the doctor checked me and he was like oh yeah you just have a couple loose teeth and, and you know your jaw's not broken or anything like that so um you know I stayed off it was towards the end of the game so I didn't I didn't go back out and then got back on the bus and uh you know went back to Guelph and um I woke up the next morning and like had basically like a baseball coming off the side of my face and so it didn't look too great and I went into the dentist so like get my get my teeth like glued back so that you know they weren't wiggling anymore and I walked in and the receptionist was like oh yeah we need to send you to to Cambridge to like get some x-rays because you definitely have a broken jaw. So then it was like a, a CT scan and like a, a couple, you know, pans is what they call them, uh, the dental term for the x-ray, whatever. Um, a couple of those and, and you know, it's like probably nine o'clock at night and I get these wires, wires on my face. So yeah, it was, uh, it was like, you know, I want to say it was two weeks before, three weeks before the Christmas break. So then I was, you know, wired shut for, for everything i had to eat all my meals out of a blender basically and um i lost like 25 pounds it was pretty unbelievable it that's sucked that's crazy um but yeah at the same time i was like i could it it was a weird injury just because you know i was still like okay physically and and besides my jaw being broken and like it it was pretty hard to breathe i guess because um you know I didn't there wasn't too much uh too much room to breathe out of my mouth um you know I was going on the ice for practice like two weeks later um and like you know still working out and stuff but I wasn't allowed to play just because you know whatever I had wires stuck in my mouth so Mm -hmm. just kind of waiting for like that six weeks to be up and then you know at the same time like you're working out but you're not able to like eat and replenish your body enough that you know I was just dropping weight like crazy and then I think at six weeks. It was like, uh, it was a Wednesday or a Thursday. I went in and had my last appointment and they cut my wires off and then, you know, everything felt normal. And then I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, like 160 pounds, say I was like down 25 pounds from my normal playing weight. And then the next night I played against whoever on Friday night at the sleeping center. I was like, yeah. you know, it's just like a different world. Yeah. Honestly, I felt like a completely different human. I like could turn me sideways and I'd like disappear or something. I don't know. But anyways, it was uh it was pretty tough, weird injury, I guess. Like not one that is very common. So there weren't too many guys like, oh yeah, that, like I broke my jaw. That happened to me. Like, oh, here's what I did. It was kind of like, it was like forging my own path. Like, oh, how many, you know, scoops of frozen yogurt can I put in this 1000 calorie shake? And like, I don't know. I still hate soup now because I ate so much soup while I had a broken jaw. So it's one of those things like when I think back to it, it was pretty, pretty crazy time in my life for sure. But I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, I don't know. It was weird. It was a lot of fun sometimes, but it was also <laughs> tough. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I'd like to jump back, actually, to – I had this written down, and I was looking forward to talking about this. Is
2: Playing – even though
1: you were um, scratched a lot of the time in the playoffs in that 16-year-old year, what was it like, like playing with, like, Matt Finn and Fabry? And, like, I remember watching Matt Finn as the captain. And he was unreal back in the OHL. What was it like learning from him as a defenseman, obviously? And then playing with the forwards like uh, McGinn and Fabry and Cosmichuk, or, yeah. I think how you say it,
2: but yeah, it was. I mean, for me, like I remember coming in as a 16 year old, like to camp. Well, I hadn't even turned 16 yet, so I'm like, I'm you know a week shy of my 16th birthday, so I just feel like a, you know an infant compared to all these guys. And like I remember there was a practice before our first ice session of the day, and I was watching Scott Kosmichuk like go down and rip the puck. And, like, this guy had the hardest shot I've ever seen. And, I don't know, It's just, like, that. at that point, I was like, oh, my God, like, these guys are all unreal. And just, I think, like, that season was just, like, I don't know. There's so many, like, so many good players that we had on our team that year, like Kirby Reichel and Nick Ebert, Zach Leslie, Ben Harper, um, you know, obviously Finner, Cause, uh, Brock McGinn, Jason Dickinson, Fabs. Like, our lineup was so stacked. Um, you know, it was just like crazy, like every night, I don't know, it, it was a pretty unbelievable team to watch. And like, these guys could just like, they just got it done always. And like, you know, if Fabs is having an off night, then like, you know, Ginner would put up like a hat trick and two assists. Like, it was just like, somebody had it every night. And like, it was just, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to watch. Like, I don't know, we, it was a weird feeling just. Walk going into every rink, and you know I wasn't really playing, but just knowing like, oh man, if we lose tonight, that's such an upset. And like when we would lose, you know, the guys would be pissed. And there were so many times where like we were down going into the third, and everyone, you know, the guys in the room are just like, ah, oh, we're not losing tonight. And they go out and score like four or five in the third, and win the game. Like it was just, I don't know, it was such a it was such a cool group. I you know it sucks that we didn't win the Mem Cup that year. Um but you know, I, I thought you know we're kind of going to playoffs, and there was no way that we weren't winning the OHL. So it was uh, it was pretty cool to be a part of, and and definitely I don't know it has it has to be like one of the best junior hockey teams ever assembled for sure. Is uh, yeah. amount of the amount of guys on that team that you know have gone on to have unreal NHL or pro careers is is pretty pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I think you're pretty spot on saying that was one of the best junior teams of all time. What was it like? Um, experience the memorial cup and then obviously that heartbreaking loss i think guelph was definitely the favorite to win what what was it like experiencing that maybe you weren't playing but what was that like
2: yeah yeah it was tough i mean i think uh you know even though you're not playing i still you know felt like i was part of it and and you know you kind of had your role and um you know there's kind of a a group of of three of us that that were like the black aces we kind of just go around and you know, try and keep things light and give the guys something, I guess, to make fun of and whatever. So we, <laughs> you know, we were just kind of, we existed there, but um, it was, uh, yeah, it was tough. I mean, you kind of, you go through the whole season and see how hard those guys worked and how good of a team uh, we were. And just the fact that we, you know, we we didn't win at all uh, sucks. And I know it, it, it probably still stings uh, every guy who's a part of that uh, part of that season. And, um, you know, we we had a really good tournament. Like we, we won three straight and got the bye rate to the final. And um, you know, it, it seemed like there was no way that anyone could beat us on a few days rest. And you know, it's a, it happens. He ran into a hot goalie, and I think that Samuelson kid had like five or six points that night, which was which was unbelievable. Just like a sick game. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool tournament. Definitely unreal experience and. And yeah, wish uh wish we could have won it all for sure.
0: And then you yeah. played four games with Laval after that whole Guelph experience. How how was that and was that what really led you to play for Acadia at the end?
2: Yeah, like um well, I signed an ATO after her series with Kitchener, so like at the end of my OHL career and um it was, a, it was a really cool experience, like getting to make the jump to pro and, and kind of getting to, you know, see what that's all about. And, and obviously it's, uh, you know, like I said, going from minor midget to, to the OHL was was a step. And um, I think going from, from the O to the AHL is a huge step too. And, um, you know, it's just uh, the guys that you can never take a shift off. And as you get older and more experienced in the OHL, there's, you know, maybe times where... Again, you can sort of get away with mistakes, and you know, uh, you know, you can do certain things out there, make certain plays that you can kind of, you know, escape from and not get in trouble for. And the biggest thing I notice in pro is if you make a mistake, it's it's in the back of your net, like almost instantly. So um, it was a, it was a really cool experience, and and you know, one that I'm pretty thankful for. And I think it's one that I keep in the back of my mind, just you know, when I'm done at Acadia and I want to make the jump to pro, it's kind of nice to have four games and in, in your back pocket and that that sort of experience um, for sure. Um, I, I wouldn't say like it entirely led to me going to a KD. Like I still wanted to try and make the jump to pro, um, but obviously I didn't didn't really get, you know, the right offer um, or the right kind of uh, place to go to and play and start my pro career. So it just made more sense for me to, to go to school and, um, well, I was playing in Guelph, I did a year at U of G too. Over my time, like just part-time, I got you know, 10 courses done. So um, if I could like come to Acadia and sort of fast track things and get it done in, you know, three years, then, then, you know, I'd still be pretty young and then I could go make the transition to pro and also have a, you know, a degree in my back pocket too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, could, could you talk about then, uh, it's a lot, it's pretty common now that you see people who finish their OHL careers, they take their school in package and the schooling hockey's obviously got a lot better in the last i don't know 15 20 years maybe even 10 years it's got a lot better and you see a lot of people going into pro so um i just want to pick your brain about uh behind that decision of what let's go get three years done and get better and then hopefully um take a shot at full-time professional hockey
2: yeah well like i said earlier like the the, you know the aus is so really competitive hockey and like there's still a lot of guys in that league who are trying to you know pursue pro and still take the game very seriously and stuff. So for me, um, I don't know, like the, the, the OHL scholarship opportunity is, is pretty awesome. And, um, I guess to turn that down and, you know, make the jump to pro and, um, I don't know, it was, it was one of those things where for me it felt like the right decision to just go and get my schooling done and, uh, um, you know, I've always cared about uh, education and stuff like that. I think it's really important. And um, even like you see guys, you know, that have played pro for, you know, X amount of years and they're retiring at like 35 or 36 or 37. Or even if you play till you're 40, you're 42. It's like, yeah. you know, there's still a good 25 years of you doing something that an education would definitely help, um, help you pursue that and like help you, help give you direction on what you want to do uh, in your life after hockey because of it, you know you just stop playing hockey or stop playing pro and, um, you know, if you don't stay involved in the game, coaching or, you know, being a GM or a scout or whatever, and you want to kind of go work in the real world, then it's obviously important to, to have an education and kind of a bit of background on what it is you'd want to do or, or whatever. So I think for me, um, you know, it's three years where I could kind of go and like I said, uh, go into Acadia. Uh, it was exciting just because we were supposed to host nationals and all that stuff. So um, it was, it was, uh, you know, uh, a decision that I'm pretty happy about making and I've had a lot of fun playing eSports hockey. So, um, you know, I'll graduate next year and, and move on to pro, but um, I've had a, I've had a, you know, a great time so far and I'm pretty excited to start next year too.
3: Yeah. That's wise to say about the, uh, the education piece. Cause it's, like, obviously having one to go pro, but, like, afterwards, like, you see so many, like, horror stories, even with, like, football players. Like, after their career, they're just – they're bankrupt, right? Like, they have to start fresh, right? So I feel like it's it's always important to have that education piece behind you.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I think – I mean, for anyone, it's important too. And I also think it's not – you know, it's important to, like, kind of know, I don't know, as a as a hockey player, if you're, you know, making – whatever amount of dollars like you want to be smart about that too so being educated and kind of knowing uh knowing sort of what to do with your money or, or whatever and, and kind of knowing that stuff also helps you too later in life so yeah i think yeah like you said guys kind of coming out of, of their careers and not really having anything else to do except for play a sport it's uh it's pretty tough yeah Just
1: sure. just out of curiosity what's your major in or what's your what are you trying to get your degree in I'm in
2: a uh, Bachelor of Business Administration.
0: Oh, cool. How do you find that? Was it a, a good course to take?
2: Yeah, yeah. I've really enjoyed it so far. It's, uh, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's sort of, it's pretty broad. Like you can, with a business degree, you can kind of work in whatever field you want. So, um, but like I said, it's nice to have in your back pocket. And if I want to, then, you know, maybe one day go back to school and try and do like an MBA or something like that. And, and, you know, uh, take to uh, the next level. Yeah. Take to the next level. Um, maybe that's an option, but like I said, I'll, I, you know, the goal for me now is to kind of get my degree and then start my pro career and kind of, like I said, have, I guess, no regrets about leaving, uh, you know, sort of like a full ride scholarship, uh, Mm -hmm. in the dust and, and, you know, just trying to play, play in the minors or whatever for what, however long
0: yeah um i think that was a really good whole wrap of your hockey career so far and we appreciate you telling us all of that but i think it's we should probably uh transition into the mm27 um because that's it's a huge thing you're doing and a very honorable thing that you're doing so we'd really like to kind of talk about it and basically how it all started and why you wanted to start it.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think, like I said, uh, you know, as a 16 year old, I was like not really playing much, but I, um, I tried to like get involved in the community as much as I could and and like do other things, uh, outside of the to sort of distract me from the fact that I wasn't really playing too much. So, uh, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it that we were doing library visits and and you know different uh, different events in the community, and I had a really good time and loved hanging out with the kids and stuff. So, you know, as I got older and and uh, I was done uh, done in high school, we would do like school visits throughout the day, so all over like the Guelph and surrounding area community, and, and we go in and kind of hang out with the kids and and do like a Fun Fit presentation it was called, and um, you yeah, know I had a really good time with that, and then. I think uh, I was going into my fourth year, my first year as captain, and we were kind of uh, it was uh, Steph Karate who run who was running our uh, our public relations stuff uh, back then. We were just kind of brainstorming ideas to like I don't know how could we make things better, or you know, did anyone have any ideas about stuff they wanted to do in the community? And I kind of pitched the idea of uh, you know something geared towards mental health, and then uh, that's kind of where we started McFadden's moving from and. Um. Yeah, we, <clears throat> I don't know, we we met a lot over the next couple months and sort of created an identity for the foundation and figured out what it was exactly that, you know, we wanted to do and just uh, focusing on, like, you know, young athletes and, and young kids and the importance of, like, understanding their mental health uh, at a young age just so they know how to handle themselves, Uh, you know, when they get in situations where they're, you know, dealing with, with anxiety or depression or anything like that. So um, just kind of like teaching them from a young age. And then also, uh, like I said, like we want to, you know, focus on younger athletes too, just because, you know, it's hard dealing with adversity and stuff like that. And sort of knowing uh, how to handle yourself when you, when you get into those situations and and finding yourself in those tough points in your career, Um, you know, just kind of knowing uh, different things to do and, and different coping me- mechanisms and stuff like that uh, was really important. So yeah, we just, I mean, we, we created that and, um, you know, ever since we've just, you know, been adding small things or, or, you know, big ideas or whatever and trying to put on different events and, and different stuff like that, like the video game tournament or, we, you know, we've done road hockey tournaments in the past, but obviously had to cancel ours for this year and, um, so yeah, just, I don't know, trying to raise money and, and, you know, do what we can to promote, uh, mental wellness and, and, you know, teach young kids, uh, about why mental health is important and, and kind of go from there. And
0: yeah. would you say, um, going back a little bit to when you broke your jaw and you were in that situation, would you say that brought any inspiration to your, your movement? Because having your, your mouth shut you could, it's a, it's a hard thing to go through, um, what it sounds like at least. And I'm, I'm sure that would take a little toll on your mental health there as well. So would you say, yeah, would you say that brought any inspiration to it?
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, the main inspiration was, uh, when I was in grade nine, we lost a close family friend, Wes Cameron to suicide. Um, so that was, uh, you know, something, we dealt with, you know, uh, as a family and, and you know, it's, it was uh, definitely, you know, the reason why mental health was important to me and stuff like that. And then obviously, like I said, uh, um, I guess through each one of my years in, in Guelph and, and I think even leading up to my time in Guelph, there's there's all kinds of different, uh, different adversities and stuff like that you, that you deal with. Uh, yeah, one for sure was, was uh, breaking my jaw and kind of dealing with a big injury and stuff like that and, and getting back. And obviously another one was uh, not playing so much in my first year. And my third year was kind of, uh, you know, we were in a great team. We had a lot of guys like quitting the team and, and you know, asking for trades and, and stuff like that. And just sort of dealing with, uh, you know, in the, in the span of two years being like the best team in the country to the worst team in the country. So, um, you know, there's something, I guess, I uh, guess, going on every year and, and something that, that I dealt with too, that, um, you know, when I was talking to the kids or giving my presentation, I, you know, sort of break down, I guess, my career and, and something that happened within each year, uh, you know, and talk about, talk about it and how I dealt with it and stuff like that. And, and kind of go from there. So, awesome, yeah.
1: Let's jump into the ball hockey tournament, how that all started. I, like I said, um, I did it last year and that was pretty awesome to, you had obviously some guys from the Gulf storm, obviously supporting you and, um the ohl cup I, the robertson cup i think it's called uh that was there too um what how, what was your idea behind starting that and then what's your reaction to the success it's had
2: yeah i mean i, I would say like the main idea was to, uh, you know road hockey was something that that it's fun and i think everyone does and, and loves to do it um for me it was uh it was a good chance for us to have, uh, you know, kind of like a reunion and, and bring a lot of uh, old teammates and, and, you know, newer future teammates into, uh, you know, a, a, I guess a setting where, you know, we're having a lot of fun and, and hanging out for the day. So um, it was a cool opportunity just to, you know, see some guys that you hadn't seen in a long time and also, uh, you know, like I said, have some fun, raise some money for, for mental health. Um, I think, you know, from our first year of doing it and, and you know, we did a, we did a pretty good job that first year, but, um, you know, to our third year, which was last summer, um, you know, we, we learned a lot about it. We kind of learned, you know, the best ways to raise as much money as we could and and still make it a a really great event. And, you know, it was a lot of fun um, doing that. And I know the, the guys that would come out would love it and and you know i think the kids that would come play and you know there'd be a ton of storm guys or, or other junior guys that were hanging out for the day so it was a pretty cool opportunity for like fans to come and hang out and you know in a setting that you haven't maybe seen uh seen them on the ice in in a few months or you know in, in a while so it was uh it was cool to catch up and it was a lot of fun so yeah i'm pretty bummed that uh that we're not having it this year, but we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely schedule them for next year, and, and hopefully by that time we can make it happen and, and make it bigger than ever before. And uh, uh, how do you see your
0: charity growing in the future? Like these, the events you've put on so far have been have been awesome, and people have loved them already. But um, would you be able to share any ideas that you're thinking of doing? Or
2: no, I mean for <laughs> us, uh, you know, uh, we're kind of. <laughs> We're in a bit of a day by day right now. Like we're trying to, you know, figure out some some ideas uh, just for stuff to do while while this sort of quarantine or whatever is, is still going on. And so, um, you know, like the the video game at child tournament was was pretty cool. I think we're gonna we're looking at uh, you know some new merch to release and and some you know custom T shirts from a few of the a few of the ambassadors that we have and and you know kind of do something do a bit of a you know, some, some, uh, t-shirt sales and stuff like that to raise some money. We're going to, we're going to look into that. So that's, I'd say kind of what we're working on right now. But other than that, I mean, we we're supposed to have a golf tournament in, uh, in July, but, um, obviously we will, we'll see where we're at, you know, kind of in the next, uh, next few weeks and, and we'll have to make a decision on that soon. But, um, you know, like I said, if, 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 it doesn't happen, then we'll just start planning for next year in a time that hopefully everything's cleared up and, and you know we uh it it takes a long time so i mean we, we could cancel the golf tournament tomorrow if we did then we would start working on it for next year you know the day after so uh that's one thing i've definitely learned from you know trying to put on events you have to start pretty early and it's a bit of a process to get everything uh get everything together and sort of plan everything out so um you know there's there's lots for us to do in the meantime i guess but for now we're just sort of we've been brainstorming some ideas for stuff to do that you know we can do it quick and and do it obviously with uh with everything that's going on in the world right now yeah fair enough
0: and as like if you ever need anything too as we grow as well um we'd be we'd be uh honored to be able to help promote any event you want to take on or anything that would be really cool
2: sure yeah absolutely (laughs) we need need all the hell we can get
1: (laughs) i think i think that's a perfect way to wrap everything up um obviously it's so cool how you turn the negatives in your life for the low points and what you learn from that to such a positive for so many people with the events and the money you raise obviously and had a great career and hopefully uh, kdo can make a run for it next year sure we'll be rooting for you and all the listeners so thank you so much for coming on
2: yeah thanks for having me on boys No worries,
1: thanks again.